I mean, my big thing going into that was like I wanted to see if there was something secret, something special that was different, you know, than yeah. what we were doing. What's the and, Scorsese secret yeah, what's, sauce? Yeah, <laughs> what's the you know what's what's the difference? Yeah, and there is no difference. There is no difference. Yeah, that's the good news and the bad news. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Okie Show Show, brought to you by all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash Show Show. If you like what you hear and you'd like to be a part of it, go to patreon.com slash Show Show and become a patron today. Hey Nick, what kind of rewards can you get for becoming a patron? A million pennies! Oh, dang! And you get to count them all. What else can you get? Two million pennies! Oh, man! But best of all, you can get a used washing machine filled with pennies. So go over to patreon.com slash Show and become a patron today. And if you like hearing our voices but think, hmm, I kind of want to see what's happening too, go to okishowshow.com and look up videos and hey, your wishes will come true. You're going to find all sorts of original content, including original sketches. And we've got three brand new sketches that are going to be coming out pretty darn soon. Yes. Do you like X-Men? No. Well, then you're going to love XJV. What? What's XJV? Do you know all those mutants with those cool powers like the pew pew coming from your eyes or uh-huh. the shink shink coming from your hands? Mm-hmm. There's none of that. Oh, thank goodness. But their powers are stuff like being super sweaty or having a blanket. Those are my favorite kinds of powers. Mine too. Watch. So be sure to check out our YouTube channel for XJV that's going to be dropping pretty soon along with two brand new original sketches in addition to that. It's like the podcast, but with pictures. Hey, Nick. Yeah, Brian. I'm really excited about today's episode. Me too. Why? Because we're talking to Brent Ryan Green. Oh my God. (laughs) In today's episode, we talked to him about the movies that he's directed, the movies that he's produced, and his time working alongside Martin Scorsese. It's a fun talk. Hey, so let's listen to our conversation with Brent Ryan Green. I can't wait. Woo. Hey, how many cups of coffee is unhealthy? I don't know, but my pee glows in the dark at this point. Welcome to the podcast that explores the Heartlands entertainment industry. I'm Brian. And I'm Nicholas. I didn't know if that was time for me to do you know, an introduction here. You're just not as smooth as Kelly. No. You've got big when Kelly-sized I- shoes to fill. Uh, when I think of Kelly, I think of smooth, and no, I cannot, uh, <laughs> I, I cannot arrive at that level. So I just bring my own spin. So yeah, there's a smoothness that is hard to match. What so it, yeah, what your spin is awkward pregnant pauses, and she's just awkward pregnant. She's awkward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how you match her. Do you want me to try again? Do you want me to be Let's more? Let's try like it again, Kelly. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Hello and welcome to the podcast that explores the Heartlands Entertainment Industries. I'm Brian. I'm Nicholas. That's just like Kelly does it. it. Yeah. It's just like she does just it. Just like Kelly. Well, today we are going to be talking about basically the the road to producing and directing mid-scale to large-budget movies. Uh, but first, I am going to check in with uh, the old guest co-host today. The guest Nick. co-host. I almost called you Neil. Why is it every time you come on here, I always almost call you someone else's name? I... I get called Brian a lot, like legitimately, like That's people weird. just look at me and they go, you look like a Brian. I'm calling you a Brian. And I feel like I have four or five of those names out there. You know, Brian, Jeff, Mark Ruffalo, like they always just get yeah, yeah. confused all the time. But uh, <laughs> you but, are not a Brian. You could never be a Brian. I don't try to be. I don't want to be, <laughs> you know, but you don't but, look nearly Irish enough to be a Brian. Really? Yeah, I can get that. I can yeah. definitely get that. Like. Like maybe like a specific accent on it, a Brian. 
something like that. that sounds more Brian, Swedish. Brian. I don't think I can pull that off I either. Don't, I don't know. Let the Bryans be Bryans. <laughs> That's right. Is what I say. And that, let the Nicholases be Zabos. So <laughs> enough about you. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to be talking to Mr. Brent Ryan Green here. Thank you for joining us in the studio here at Tower Studios. You're awesome for, for making the trip out. To give you guys, to give the listeners an idea of who Mr. Brent Ryan Green here is. He's the founder of Toy Gun Films, uh, the director of the short films Paper Flower and Running Deer, as well as the feature films The Veil and The Christmas Manger, which is, all, which is starring Tara Reid. I didn't realize you got to work with Tara Reid. Yeah, it was you, quite a trip. You, you, Jasper about Sharknado. Uh, I did not. Oh, well, why are we talking? <laughs> but she offered up that information. You know. <laughs> she, she just walks around like she was willing going to, to do, give Sharknado info. I think I've never seen them, but like Sharknado 5 from the production we were at. So She's oh handing gosh. out T-shirts we, we to everybody. A little, yeah, a little <laughs> yeah. rundown on that, yeah. But you've also been the producer of I Can Only Imagine, which I didn't realize that because mm-hmm. I worked on that. I didn't realize you were a producer on that. Mm-hmm. Man, you, so can't, you couldn't imagine work, that? Man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you're also the producer of the upcoming Pure Flix sitcom, The Beverly's, and the Martin Scorsese, not the upcoming Martin Scorsese film, but the already released Martin Scorsese film, Silence. So you have a, just a laundry list of really awesome credits, and we're going to talk all about it. So Let's first, do it. First of all, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. So I got to ask, like, how did, you, how did you get started in film? Because like we were talking a little earlier, you, like the way that you were raised and, and your, your background is kind of night and day from the film industry and the film world. So how do you do, how did you manage to land into the film industry in general? I mean, the, the, I mean, there's a long version, short version, I guess, you know, ultimately it was this opportunity to go work on a movie. So there's a movie that my dad ended up producing, um, over a long period of time. And when it came time to shoot the film, cause he heard the story, he was like, Hey, this should be a movie. Knew nothing about movies. Five years later, he ends up making the movie and it's called end of the spear. And so I was at SNU locally here in Bethany and he was, you know, Hey, do you want to go work on this movie? Cause you're probably not going to get a chance to do something like this. It was shooting in Panama, $10 million movie, mm. 52 day shoot, which at the time I didn't know like how kind of large scale that was yeah. no ruling no frame of reference at all like, million. literally no awesome. frame of reference yeah. i literally walked in down in the office down there walked into the production manager's office sat down he was not really sure how i got there he just knew he was supposed to give me a job and he was like hey do you want to be a grip and i was nice. like what what's a grip literally i said what's a grip <laughs> and he said he explained it and i was like absolutely not what else you got <laughs> so like he like, went through yeah. the options um ultimately i ended up being the video coordinator on that that film is in 2004 is one of the first features that was completely digital to shot on the f900s oh, wow. um the sony f900s and so it was a three camera shoot i mean two camera most of the time three camera occasionally so i would hook up the cameras to the monitor so the dp and the director sat in like the little tent and yeah. i would hook up this big hundred pound monitor two small monitors and you know and i'd run the cables to the to the to the cameras you know come back i look why isn't the why isn't the um why isn't there any picture i look out the tin and the camera's mood you know so i just yeah. i ran around and did that and so that was my first kind of exposure to film and it ended up being an incredible experience because i sat in this tent with the director and the dp they let no one else in there oh dude vanity mm-hmm. it was a little cra- a little strange like vanities no one else could see the yeah. monitor except for us three so mm-hmm. like the dp was this old school dp and had cr- tons of great old stories and so that was kind of my first like you know baptism into the film industry but prior to that i 
I couldn't, I couldn't have known less about yeah. movies and you know what was going on in the film industry. So and then it, and then it just sparked a whole new interest. In yeah, well, I mean, the cool thing was like I never seen. You know, I I was going to college. And I was just in high school. All I cared about was sports. And then in college, I realized that dream's gone. You know. Yeah. Um, and it was like just seeing like music, fashion architecture coming together because like the 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 production designer had like build they actually built a house for this uh production with like moving mm. walls and all kinds of stuff oh, cool. so they built a house and like they had like models and um and everything was based in one location so we took over a, an abandoned hotel and we all stayed in the hotel and in the production office in the bottom and then the art like setup was down there as well it's like and a it was dorm. just like all this stuff <laughs> no, no, like, it sounds awesome it it's was like, so like, incredible okay. and i've like i've been trying to replicate that experience ever since but <laughs> Um, but just seeing like all that stuff come together, I was enamored, you know? Yeah. So I came back from that. I bought a camera and just started kind of getting in that way. I shot some, some like videos for organizations and then ultimately went to work for that director of that film. So he actually made a documentary that went with that movie into the sphere. Right. And I think it's I've called beyond the both. gates and beyond yeah, the gates yeah, yeah. is actually probably a better piece. The documentary is like super solid, still holds yeah. up. And so then they, because I did so well, they made more documentaries. They made five documentaries. So I worked for them. That became Ethnographic Media, which is like a local company a lot of people worked for. And so I did that for a while. And then eventually I transitioned out because I didn't want to do documentaries. Right. You know, I wanted to get into narratives. And that was kind of the genesis of Toy Gun Films. And, yeah. And so that's kind of the how it got started. So it all started because you didn't want to be a grip. I didn't want to be a grip. <laughs> that was the decision. I knew that. They were the like, well, that's the advice, carrying everyone. stuff around and running electrical cable. I was like, man, this, that just sounds miserable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's not for me. I have at that point, I was, for grips for that very you know, reason. Mm-hmm. I was like 120 pounds. And I'm like, there's no, yeah. no way. No, I can't, you know. Well, I've got this position that could kill you. You want to do that? I, I ended up carrying a hundred pound monitor around. So it's probably like the joke was on me. You yeah. Know, it probably would have been less heavy. You'd still laugh at the grip. Like I had this monitor and you just had, to, it, it was, it was the bane of my existence. <laughs> but halfway through, I was like, I'm over this. I wanted to quit so bad, but ultimately yeah. it was, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. So now you're directing like your, your directorial debut as far as feature films go was the veil, which is on, is it still on Netflix? Uh, yeah, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and like, I always hear about, you know, through the grapevine that you've got more projects coming. You seem like a super, super busy guy. So how does one, how does that path go from working as that video assist Mm. to where you're at now? Like, like, what do you think was the secret sauce that, that helped you get to that? Slow and steady. Slow and steady. (laughs) I mean, cause the, the documentary, I mean, into the spear was 2004, the veil happened in 2013. So, you know, it's just little by little. So I, you know, I left the, uh, into the spear thinking, Oh, maybe the movie business would be cool. And then I went to work for the director and, um, and I just tried everything, you know, like I tried sound for a while. I went to Stanconi studios, which is outcast studios in Atlanta, learn pro tools and was doing post sound. And then after a year of that, I was like, what am I doing? You know, like I don't know music, like the cap on this is so low for me because I'm not a musician. I can't play in sounds. I can't, Yeah. I don't have it. I don't even know what pitches like, you know, I was basically <laughs> putting sound effects in. I do like temp work because the nice. director like really wanted to see stuff. So like I was doing temp on like everything mm-hmm. yeah. and then they would take it somewhere and do like, you know, the final, but that way the director could like see it. And after a year of that, I was like so disheartened, disheartened. I was just like, 
I'm going to go back and just go back into business. And yeah. ultimately end up being a great experience because like to be a producer and a director, you need to know everything, you know, a little bit about yeah. everything. So like that came back and like really helped me as I started producing, making my own films, sitting in like sound sessions, like knowing what's possible, not possible. Like I mm -hmm. literally had sessions where I'd be like, no, you know, I know Pro Tools pretty well, you know, like yeah. try this. And then like, oh yeah, I guess that works, you know. That's um, so cool. And that's so, I feel like that's so important to like kind of start in that below the line, like understanding yeah. how everything mm -hmm. works. Cause I feel like a lot of film students go to film school, they graduate film school and their expectation is that they're, they're just gonna go right into the director's chair. Unless you're a phenom, it's pretty hard. Or if you can write. <laughs> if you can write, that's a good way to skip the line, but I can't write. Mm. So I knew, and my aspirations were never really to direct. Like after it, I was like, oh, you know what? Producing is a perfect fit for me because mm -hmm. it's business, which I thought that was my background and a little bit of creative. So, yeah. um, but that's one of the advantages of working on these documentaries for five years is like the crew is so small. You were doing everything. Like mm -hmm. you were holding the boom. Yeah. Then next, next day you're operating. And the next day you're like offloading footage and like backing stuff up and like praying you don't just delete all the footage you're like, like <laughs> right. hard drive the sweats yeah digital. yeah you know like you're literally staying up all night every night like you know getting this drive to back up to this drive and like mm -hmm. yeah. and so that that was an advantage to documentary company is that and then you're producing too because you're coordinating mm -hmm. you know it's just it was such a like a five-man crew so like everyone's got to do a little bit of everything so that that was that was great you know and i didn't really pick up directing until i started toy gun produced our first movie in two manos which we shot in columbia which Paulina Gaitan starred in, and she ended up going on to be Pablo Escobar's wife in Narcos. Oh, cool. Um, she's actually become like a pretty big deal. And um, But it wasn't until I saw that director direct that I was like, oh, you know what, I maybe could give this yeah. directing thing a try, you know? Because mm -hmm. again, I had no frame of reference for what a director was. So like when I first started looking into film, I was like seeing you know, people like Tarantino. I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not like that. He's got a monster personality. He's crazy like, in interviews. Uh, you don't like feed and that the energy. Much. And I was like, eh, I'm, that's not for me. Right. But then I realized there's other directors that are quiet and, um, you know, there's just, there's just, you know, it's not, there's not one type of personality. Yeah. There's a ton of different personalities to be a director. It's not a personality type. Right. It's more of like about a vision. So, um, so then I started directing and then I got kind of got hooked on that. And you started off with short films, but then you, you you made your big feature film debut with The Veil. So for the listener that doesn't know what The Veil is, can you give us kind of the elevator pitch of what the movie's about? Yeah, it was this, it was this sci-fi action film about, you know, a, a warrior's journey back home, you know. And we developed that uh, in, you know, to be shot in Oklahoma. And we the development really started out of, like, finding these, like, cool locations yeah. And then working backwards. And I've never done that since. I'm not sure I'll ever cool do it again. Locations. You know, the locations were great. I mean, we learned a lot. That movie was, like, pretty disheartening, like, when all was said and done, like, the way mm -hmm. it turned out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I learned so much. And, I mean, it definitely looks great. Yeah. I'm happy with the way it, lo it looks in the cinematography and the production design. It was just, like, a story that was so ambitious uh, <laughs> right. that we really just bit off more than we can chew. Like, we'd had so much success with these shorts and, like, this model that we were doing where we were kind of, like, pitching these stories, then, like, writing them, shooting them, and editing them all within a year. We're like, oh, we just roll right into a feature. Yeah. So we started Twig in 2009. We did it. So we basically did, a like, a large-budget short film every year. We did one in Columbia, uh, Tokyo, South Africa, then Running Deer finally in Oklahoma, and then rolled right into the Vale. And we were 
we were kind of like on fire with the shorts. Yeah. You know, they were like really hitting. Let's keep they were hitting going. the goal. Yeah. They were hitting the goal. We were riding high, and then we got like bit by reality. You know, mm-hmm. when, we, when we tried to kind of like shoot for the stars, and we we, we yeah. you know missed a little on the story side. You know, Nick and I wouldn't know anything about that, would we? Of course not. Success, one hundred percent, totally. A bit ambitious. <laughs> success. <laughs> so, what were some of the the takeaways that you learned from the veil as a as a director that you've been able to apply to projects since then yeah it's just it just reiterated how important the script is you know and my, my producing partner wrote it and like we just tried for something we were literally we were going for the fountain meets Valhalla rising and then we realized that no one understands those movies <laughs> and we and we got what we bargained for you know um and we just it was just too much for the budget level, you know, like ultimately if you read it, like everyone was like pretty intrigued by it, but we just like couldn't pin down, you know, what we really wanted to do. And then with the, we hit the budget restraints. So it was just, it was a really tough lesson to learn. Almost put me out of the business. It was like hard to get, really get going again after that. I was like, hard the, to only, get the only thing, the just only, like personally, just, yeah. Just yeah. Cause it's yeah. like, you put so much mm-hmm. into it. And then the only thing that really like kept me going is like, I knew that I had something else to say and something more, to do like if I had done that and I was like this is amazing and then it crashed away it kind of I mean ultimately did okay because it was a sci-fi action film so that sure. was the producer side of me like backstopped yeah. it with a genre that it's a, you could, it's a concept you that could sell, sell off of a poster yeah. mm-hmm. which is what they did so like that was safe enough um, but I just knew that like objectively I wasn't really happy with it you mm-hmm. know and so if I if I was happy with it and then it got that kind of reception then I probably would have been like okay. But like, I just, I know I can do, do better, you right. know? Mm-hmm. And so then just had to recalibrate. And then that's why I went back to a, like a smaller movie after that. And, um, you know, you just, the big, I mean, you just got to do stuff within your budget level, which is right. or like, you know, it's better to try to, you know, do something that's attainable. So like, I've learned from that to say no a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. no, I'm not going to try that. Right. It's not enough like money for really this budget. It's a important lesson it's very, to know. Mm-hmm. And it's very a hard lesson to learn that way. Ultimately, I learned so much, and it was it was worth doing. And someday, hopefully, we'll look back and laugh instead of cry. But uh, <laughs> we're just now transitioning yeah. out of that. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, the crew was great. It looks great. Um, the story was just is just tough to track. Also, yeah. You know, and I think story, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but it is the most important part. You know. Right. So even if you'd rather have a good story that doesn't look as great. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all know that consciously is just in the moment. It's hard to reverse the trend. Like we even yeah. knew going into it, like two weeks out, we almost pulled the plug. Cause Oof. you're like, oh man, this is just, we'd already spent so much money. We're like, eh, we'll, we'll fix it along the way. Yeah. We, we can make yeah. this work, you know, but in hindsight, if we are in that situation again, you'd probably pull or delay it, you know, right. and just be like, Hey, let's, let's, let's rewrite this thing and mm-hmm. let's take our time with it. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's where I've said a no to a lot of scripts since then. Cause I'm like, I don't, I've already tried to pull off something. If it's not on the page, it's it's really tough, yeah. especially for me as as a, just a director and a producer and not a writer director. If it's a writer director, you know they can always rewrite why they're going a little bit. But yeah. for me, like we were in there and I'm like trying to rewrite, and Jeff's on set. And he's like, "Well, you know." Anyways, I mean, it's just uh, it, it's, it's like making movies are hard. Or something. It's hard. <laughs> no, it's a real hard balance because you need that. We need to let's do, like you need that urgency or that excitement behind it of like yes yes we need to get going we need to get do this and everything and then having to decide between oh is this one of those kind of are we panicking a little bit before we start moments or is this a legitimate hey no let's mm. pump the brakes and that was always my role was always the one 
to keep it going. Right. Like, right. The, hey, there's always a way for you. There's always a next step. And that's essential. Yeah. And that's essential. And <clears throat> even Jeff would say that like, that was like one of the big things I brought to like all of our projects. Like, hey, we can do, you know, just keep going. Yeah. Um, but we'd never really run into something that ambitious, you know. Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, like, because y'all had, uh, is it true that y'all had some of the stunt coordinators from Captain America? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, James, he did a lot of the doubling for um, for Cap, and then he did. Oh uh, man, I can't. Remember. I don't know all their names, but he he's done. He's basically a fight coordinator and a yeah. stunt double. And so mm-hmm. we, we went and saw during the production of the bell. We went and saw, I believe, it was the first Captain America. It was the one where they're in the elevator and there's a huge elevator fight scene. That's the uh, winter soldier. Winter soldier. Yes. Yeah. Cause he doubled the winter soldier. God, it's such a, and so it's he so did that good. fight it's scene. Such a good movie. He did that fight scene and then, and then Guy, another guy. So like, um, like there was three or four guys who worked on those movies who came into it. So the stunts were obviously incredible in the movie and like a highlight and working with those guys was really cool. Yeah. Um, nice. but, um, yeah. Well, every, it seems like, every project for everybody. Like I feel like if I'm not on a project that I'm not learning something, then I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Like, or the projects that go super well, you're always really suspicious of. Yeah. Like, where it's like, if it's too good to be true, it, it usually is. is. It is. It's always, yeah. It's always, yeah. Like usually yeah, whenever we've had a couple projects where it was like a rough production or maybe a rough getting it started. But then after we're looking back at the footage and going like, this is great. This was awesome. This all helps. And then there's been the times where we've, gone through the whole production and been like, oh, this is nothing but, you know, biscuits and roses or whatever it is. And then just biscuits and roses. And then just getting into the editing room and being like, oh, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. You turn into Mr. Ed. Really? Yeah. Oh, Jay Wilbur. (laughs) So how did how did you end up landing the co-producer or associate producer for Silence? Associate producer. Associate producer. I knew one of the financiers and he brought me in. So this is something that Scorsese had wanted to make for a long time, obviously. And it was financed independently through two sources. And I knew one of the sources. Nice. And so he, he brought me on. So I went to, to um, Taiwan uh, for two weeks during the production and got to be involved in a little bit. And obviously, inc- super incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's that like working with Martin Scorsese? I mean, he's a legend. force. Yeah, he's a force. He's a legend. Um, so I was there. Uh, have you seen the movie? I have not gotten to watch it all the way through. It's very, it's a slow burn. It's very yeah. hard watch. It yeah. took it's me It's like the type of movie times. you want to watch once and you're like, I'm glad I did that, but mm-hmm. probably yeah. will not be doing that again. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes those are the best kind of movies. It's the best kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I was there with the scene where uh, um, Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield, like they were hiding out in the hut. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were picking like the you know, lights up. So I was in, I was there for on the stage for that part. So nice. There was an exterior interior part. So I was on the stage for that. Um, but I mean, my big thing going into that was like I wanted to see if there was something secret, something special that was different. You know, than yeah. what we were doing. What's the and, Scorsese secret yeah, what's, sauce? Yeah, <laughs> what's the you know what's what's the difference? Yeah, and there is no difference. There is no difference. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the good news and the bad news. <laughs> right. So the bad, you it's know, the bad news is there was yeah. nothing to learn from it. The good news is that it's the same process, the same struggle. I mean, they're shooting like half a page a day, mm-hmm. and they still, wow. at the end of the day, are like find themselves rushing. So like you always that's use the time insane. you have, which is it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's just that 
they happen to have like a genius director, a genius AD, a genius production designer. I mean, they have the best of the best in every role. Nice right. So that's, that's something that's different, but the process is the same. You can still point out all the same department heads. Everyone looks the same. You know, it's, it's the same yeah. problems. You know, I don't want to give away too much of the stuff that I saw, but there's an, and I saw enough to know that it's like, they, I mean, they're literally struggling through the same stuff that, you know, yeah. any production is, you know, so the process wasn't any different. You know, it's just the people that were doing that process were, you know, very experienced and very skilled, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, but, it, you know, the, the same challenges. I mean, even the, even though they had all this time, they still found themselves at the end of the day, you know, rushing to try to get this shot or, yeah. you know. I can't but, imagine being the first AD telling Martin Scorsese, we got to hurry up. Yeah, that could didn't you, really happen very much. Up? And, you know, <laughs> they did go long and over budget. So, you know, but... <laughs> yeah. He definitely is a stick, like he has a shot list and he sticks to it. And if he doesn't get it, they will be back right. to get it, you know. So he actually writes his shot list out? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. And pen or pencil? We need to know. Right. I didn't get close enough. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, they're very protective. Even like, I mean, they have special monitors for producers. He's very, I mean, it was a very serious movie. So the tone on the set was super serious. Right. Like, right. The movie's called Silence. It was silent on set. You yeah. know, when he got on set, no talking. All the work had been pre-done before. Yeah. You know, and they came in, they worked, they left. All the work happens again. They come back. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was very reverent. I mean, that was just the tone of the movie. Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver both had lost like fifty pounds for yeah. the role. Skinny. They had a nutritionist on site, like feeding them like grapes. So they were very, <laughs> you know, in the moment. You know, struggling. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't wasn't a happy-go-lucky set where everyone was talking. Like right. the, the theme of the film bled over to the crew, and it was very like serious, somber. Yeah, mm-hmm. not one know, of those movies where you movies. talk about the good times. No. Everyone's yeah. hanging out There's at craft no stories service. to be had, or yeah. you know, it was um, everybody focused. <laughs> that movie sound. It seems like it was a very personal project for Martin Scorsese, and you got to be a part of that. And so I, I just. Congratulations, because oh, yeah. that just seems like a really cool experience for you. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, he tried to make, I mean, I think after he made Last Temptation, um, he got the book. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that was in the 70s or something, mm-hmm. you know, so he just, which is crazy, like even someone like Scorsese, it still has, took a long has to time hold to make on to a, a project that yeah. he wanted to make that we, you know, that was not something the studios necessarily wanted to make, because it's not inherently commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, right. which is yeah, why I didn't get made. Yeah. But it's crazy that, you know, people send me scripts and like, oh, it's not inherently commercial. I'm like, well, if Scorsese can't get it made, mm-hmm. then good luck. Yeah. Like each decade he goes and dusts it off. Just like, okay, am I, yeah, literally, am I, am I, like am I a so legend many, enough? There was so many start and stop <laughs> stories. I think there's like, I wish someone did a documentary about the making of it because mm-hmm. then there was like people getting sued and like someone had the rights in Europe and like they were in jail. And mm-hmm. then like um, there were so many different, different people attached through the years. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of those. Well, some it's of the a, names. And it's amazing how like, like Daniel Day Lewis was attached at one point. Really? Oh my gosh. That. Um, it just kind of reminds me of like Terry Gilliam's, uh, Don Quixote movie that, that was kind of <laughs> like, and they actually shot a huge section of it. Mm. And then it got, yeah. I, I can't remember what, it, what happened, but it, yeah, just like those weird hoops that like, it's funny how people, you know, whenever they're first getting started out, they get discouraged by how hard it is to get something made. Mm. And they always, the assumption is once you get to a certain level, it's sunshine and rainbows. No, that's the hard part. It's like, you know, even Scorsese was like having dinners, you know, trying yeah. to raise the money. 
Well, and you said I mean, that he's having dinners with billionaires, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not different than us having, you know, local dinner, you know, trying to raise mm-hmm. in Miami is still, but they were still it's, eating it's, Wendy's it's still tough to, <laughs> it just uh, doesn't, saw it never comes, it never comes easy. <laughs> it never comes easy. Yeah. Well, and that movie was privately funded, which is very reminiscent to, uh, kind of like the lower level stuff. That's not like big studio films. So let's talk a little bit of, let's talk businessy kind of stuff. The fun stuff, the real fun stuff. But like I, this it's, to me, it's the meat. It's the meat of all of it. Because, like, without the business, there's no show. It is a film business. Yeah. So tell us about the, the typical process of finding financial backing for a project that doesn't involve Kickstarter. Because, like, it seems like that's always the first go-to. We can just crowdfund it. I mean, that's, that's the, the magic thing. You know, the difference between an idea and a movie is money. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And... Um, like lately my philosophy's changed and like, you know, what we just did together, the Beverly's is like, is really kind of finding and working on stuff now that that's already greenlit or that that's already wanting to be made, you know, cause there's like, you know, there's the money, the making of the movie and then the distribution. Those are really the three mm. kind of keys to the movie. And every, you know, I want to be involved. Most people want to be involved in the making of the movie. Right. So that's the producing, the directing, the physical production. So I say that's what my specialty is, physical production. Um, and so, you know, after the veil, like looking to try to get a couple other things going and having so many like close calls. I mean, I mean, so, you know, like, cool projects and they just you can never, never like able to like close that funding and raising that money. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, let's let's stop going against the, the grain here and, and, and try to like get in the flow of what's going on. And so it's like lately, cause there are a lot of people making stuff They have like a certain quota, different types of things, a lot of stuff related to genre. Um, and it's just kind of more about jumping on those bandwagons right. um, because the studios have certain things they want to make. And it's just, it's so rare for them to say, to pluck your little project out of the blue and be like, Hey, we want to take a mass- massive chance on, on, yeah, on you want to invest yeah, ten exactly. million dollars, and I'm not a writer, so like that's the other thing is like for me finding content, finding scripts is tough. Yeah, and even if I find a great script, it's like, well, then what? You right. know, then we got to go sell it. Well, to sell it, you need to be, you know, at least thirty percent better than the stuff that they've already paid for. So it's like some people always see stuff on, you know, they're like, how did that get made? It's like, well, because they are invested a lot of money into it. And they were, you know, what are they going to do and invest more in the project that they already own or? like fund something that they don't own, you right. know? So that's where the Beverly's kind of came out of that, you know, which was some, a show that was already going to be made. And it was like, you know, raising my hand, Hey, I can, I can get this done for you. I can produce yeah. this for you. You know, that was so much fun to work. It was on. a great little show. Yeah. Great. It was. And for the listeners, the Beverly's is a sitcom that we shot. Yep. Um, just, like maybe a month ago, but I was, uh, it was funny because like oftentimes you know, I get hired on as the sound guy and then I see how many pages we're shooting and then I <laughs> and he cries. I, I cry a little bit because I'm like, oh, dear God, there's no way. There's no way. And then like magically, we always end up making our day somehow. But we shot. Was it 10 episodes? Um, eight episodes, eight episodes, 30 pages each. Yeah. 22 minute runtime. And we shot it all in a month. Like it was fifteen days. Fifteen days. That's even less. I've than never I done anything like that. It always feels way longer. Mm, it does. Fifteen days. One location, so that helped. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it went. It that went great. You know, yeah. fun little show. 
And that, and that's again, like just trying to, you know, for me, like making stuff is half the battle. And then like what you make is also important as well. Yeah. So, but like just the process of making film is fun no matter what it is. So, I mean, that was great. It was a kid's show. It was supposed to be fun and colorful and bright Yeah. and, um, you know, fit in perfect with some of the scheduling stuff I had being back here. And, um, you know, they're already talking about season, you know, two and three. So it could be fun. I, I hope they, they're able to bring it back here. Cause that was such a, it was for me, it was such a nice little kind of blessing because everything I'd been working on up to that point had been like super heavy documentaries about murder and mayhem yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And now it's, and then it was like juxtaposed with, Hang out with these little girls. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be singing songs. It's, it's yeah, so so that's, much yeah, fun. Yeah, that's a set where, unlike Silence, it's like, you know, fun, goofy, you know, yeah. lighthearted, <laughs> easygoing, you know. Everything's brightly lit. Yeah, no yeah. talking on set for this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah everybody's talking. <laughs> Very, yeah. Oh, man. Well, and uh, like, so where where does the road lead for you from here? It's like we finished Beverly's. You've got, you, you've got tons of things in the pipeline. Like, what's next for you? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple things I'm attached to direct. I'm probably going to do another show, just like the Beverly's, um, I think in Georgia next. Um, but, you know, you just got like a million things going and then they circle back around, you know. So it's like yeah. the Beverly's happened because I went and consulted on a movie in South Africa that I was supposed to direct a subsequent movie that happened in South Africa and it didn't happen. And so then that fell through. But then I ended up directing this Christmas movie and, and, you know, and it all happened, you know, so like I can trace the Beverly's back like seven years of like misses and almost, and then it comes back around. So you just kind of always have these, you know, different fire or irons in the fire and, you know, just a lot of balls you're trying to spin and hoping that one, you know lands you know yeah. so there's a bunch so of stuff spinning yeah you know so some big you stuff spinning have just small one stuff. pet project that you just focus on and obsess over for years and years and ideally years. no yeah right. <laughs> ideally no <laughs> or if you do that you do the scorsese route and make a bunch of really great movies while you do that yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> win a couple oscars along the way yeah then, yeah that always helps then that pet project can come back up <laughs> um so I uh, I am selfishly asking this project, but how do you go about bringing more of projects like the Beverly's, you know, like the Vale and that kind of thing to Oklahoma? Like, what's the big appeal about Oklahoma that you think draws these projects? I mean, it it's the the leading hook is the rebate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, so the Beverly's they were the Beverly's was a show that you know I, I had had movie in Oklahoma, a big movie I was hoping to do this fall, and it fell through like so many movies do. And so I had this gap where I had like, cause I was going to direct and when you direct, it's all encompassing. So I locked away my time, said no to a bunch of things. Like I'm going to direct this big movie, you know, big movie, biggest movie I've ever done by far as a director. And it fell through. And then I was like, shoot, I need to fill that gap because I had said no to a bunch of stuff. And so one of the things was like, Hey, they want to direct on this show, the Beverly's. And I was like, well, you know, I don't really want to direct because it's going to be in L.A. that a house mm. scouted that shot a promo at this house, the director and the showrunners. And um, they were like, you want to direct? I'm like, no, I won't direct. But I was like, I will produce this and maybe direct, which I didn't end up doing. Um, if you'll do it in Oklahoma. I'm like, well, why would we, you know, why do we come to Oklahoma? We have the show prepped and all this stuff already. I'm like, well, there's a 37 percent rebate. There's no rebate in California. And 
you know, I was about to have a baby. So I was, I had to be in Oklahoma. Yeah. And so like I lured him that way, but that was a show that was literally teed up to shoot in LA at right. the showrunner's house. Cause we, they were going to use their, Oh wow. Yeah. their mother's house that the promo was shot at. Oh, okay. an amazing house. <laughs> and, um, and so I was able to talk them into coming to Oklahoma instead. They love the footage. And now they're talking about doing not only the subsequent seasons of the Beverly's, but there's another show that they're developing, they want to bring that here as well. That's fantastic. So the rebates, the leader, you yeah. know, into in sinking people into coming here and then seeing what you can get done. Yeah. Um, you know, Oklahoma's a, you know, it's just, it's pretty film friendly, you know, it's just, yeah. Unlike LA we, for sure. We like working. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, I mean, so it was a great experience. All, everyone had a great, you know, only had great things to say about Oklahoma and it's already trickled back to, you know, hopefully other offers. And I hope to have a show coming back to Oklahoma this by, at least by the summer. Yeah. So, you know, the rebates is, is the hook. That's know? awesome. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I feel like the frustrating thing that, that we film people are always running into when it comes to the rebate is just the perception of the rebate. The people have this idea that it's just free money. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they realize the concept of a rebate. You, yeah, you spin first, you yeah. spin first, yeah. you boost the economy and yeah. then they get a tax break back. I just, I always want to like reiterate that for the listeners. You must bait and then you are rebated. That's <laughs> words. Put it on a t shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then that, but that's how you get people to come. And then once they come, then they come back. You know, like, you know, the lion producer from I Can Only Imagine, he brought another movie back after yeah. he came here. And even I made the, you know, I made the short film Running Deer here at an off, you know, like, because we were doing these shorts every year and I did it in Oklahoma because of the rebate, even though I didn't use the rebate because I knew I was going to shoot the bell here. So that was like a subsequent production that wouldn't have happened here if it wasn't for the rebate. So that was like a indirect impact, you yeah. know? Um, so, you know, it's a great program. Obviously That's we got to awesome. keep it alive, keep it going. That's right. Yeah. Um, and it just provides like, you know, it's not a big number, you know, but it just provides a little something different. It touches a lot of different people from hotels to, craftsmen to, you know people you don't even think about you know yeah. small like little small businesses where you're uber buying drivers, stuff uber drivers yeah. you know all kinds of like you know the, the film business is like so much more than just like the cameras and yeah and what you and the actors, rich executives like, living in their is. big houses yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot of people that work on a movie you know yeah it's jobs it's lots yeah. of jobs uh I'm, I'm gonna this is kind of off topic but it's just something that i am personally fascinated by and also somewhat passionate about but you have your name on a lot of movies like i can only imagine into the spear and a lot of a lot of faith-based projects and everything but you toe the line between faith-based projects and non-faith-based projects it seems pretty well mm-hmm. and like i'm just, I'm just curious i just kind of want to pick your brain about that like what is that what is your personal experience with that like towing that line like making that balance how is that for you I mean, it's just kind of about, it's more about, I think, opportunity, you know? So because I had worked on Into the Spear and because when I did work on I Can Only Imagine, then those opportunities kind of kept coming, you know? So it's just about, you know, finding, you know, people want you to, it's almost like typecasting or something. People just right. want you to keep doing what you've done. Yeah, once you're so in like, a niche. Yeah, so I've yeah. done some stuff in that space. I've been a pro, uh, like evolved in some, some pro, uh, productions that were successful. So then people like look at everyone involved in that, you know, and they want you to 
repeat. Yeah. You know, same with yeah. like I traveled overseas. So like I've actually worked overseas more. Like Morocco is Morocco, South Africa, Colombia, uh, Tokyo. So then the people yeah. are like, oh, that like if you like go the overseas worst. and they call you, hey, I've been to Tokyo, you've been to Tokyo, what, you know, would you help help me? You know, so that's, yeah. that's where the faith-based stuff kind of come, came in. And like obviously Oklahoma, you know, just, I mean, just specifically, yeah, into the sphere and working on I Can Only Imagine, um, it just opens doors in those. Yeah. And, and in the film business, it's hard to get open doors. So when you get an yeah. open door, you know, just take it, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and just or even do like the a, best you can with that open door. And, you know, those are the doors I've been opening. So those are the doors, you know, that I've been going through. Yeah. That's awesome. Look for open doors, cracks in the window. Anything. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. Yeah. someone left the back door open. Yeah, yeah. left the basement unlocked. Exactly. You know, get in. Get in there through a, the chimney. Entrance of the attic so you can make it in there. <laughs> well, uh, um, last question is really just what – what advice would you give to young filmmakers that want to eventually be in your shoes as a director, as a producer? What they are nice shoes. You? Right. Yes. They are very nice shoes. <laughs> I mean, that's always the, the million dollar question, but I, I, it, I think it's just, you know, it depends on what you want to do. Mm. You know, so when people ask that, I usually try to return it with a question, you know, so it's like, you know, do you need to be in LA? Can you stay in Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends. You know, what do you want to do? Um, is it you, you want to stay camera? Do you want to do sound forever? You want to be an actor? You know, if you want to be an actor, you probably need to, you know, spend some time in, in LA, you know? Um, but if you want to stay maybe in camera, you don't really need to go to LA to do that, you know? So it's, it's, it's a generic answer is hard. I think, you know, just making stuff is important. You know, I mean, the, the barrier to entry now is so low, you know, to make your own film and put it out there. Um, and the best, I mean, I, the best thing is just go watch, um, Mark Duplass's speech called the Calvary isn't coming from at South by Southwest. Oh, nice. You know, basically anything I'd want to say, he like, you know, perfectly articulated, but it's basically yeah. saying the Calvary isn't coming. Like no one's coming to give you a ton of money. No agents coming to sign you, you know, agents not going to sign you till you're already making so much money. Yeah. You know, I have lots of friends that are agents and managers and they're basically, if you're not making a certain amount every quarter, they're going to drop you. Because if they don't drop you, then they're going to get fired. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're not going to get a really good agent or manager until you're making so much money. You don't need an agent or manager. Yeah, and that's what Mark Duplass kind of like says, you know, and like that was their model. Is like they just kept, you know, just you know, be your own green light. Mm-hmm. So like make something that's like in striking range of what either you can raise, you know. And if you can't raise any money, then just make a movie for no money. Yeah, you know, if you can raise ten thousand, raise ten thousand. You know, a hundred, you know, whatever, you know, don't, don't set the bar where somebody else has to tell you yes. So that's where I went from the veil, which is a big project to do another project like that. I couldn't get people to see us. I, I bumped it down to like, okay, what's, what's a level that I know I can get a yes at, you know, so I just came down to that level, got a yes, and then like worked my way back up. So, you know, just, you know, try to, you know, so many people like have a script and they're like, I just did a call like two days ago with the guy. He's like, never made a movie. He's like, oh yeah, it's a $15 million movie. I'm like, I'm busy. I got to go. You know, cause <laughs> yeah. it's just like, it's unrealistic to think, right. you know, that you're going to get that made right off the bat. And it happens every now and then, of course, there's always exceptions to every rule. And then that gives everyone else the dream that that's going to be yeah. them. Now I can win the but lottery it, it's, too. It's yeah. just unlikely. You know, most right. people didn't start that way and they started small and they worked little by little and then all of a sudden you hear about them, but you didn't, you know, 
you didn't see Ridley Scott's 3000 commercials, you know, <laughs> that he did yeah. for, you know, 10, 15 years before he, you know, started, started making movies, you know? So yeah. it's just, um, you know, little by little. And then, and then it's just like taking practical steps and getting on, you know, if you get onto something, go through the open door, say yes. You know, that's where like, even, you know, I was like, Oh, I'll work for this director. And like, he's like, who wanted me to do sound? I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do sound. Like, and I knew I didn't want to do sound, but you know, I just, what was the other option? You know what I mean? Right. So it's just like, yeah. take work on the projects you can work on, you know, don't be too picky or self-important or I mean, I think too strategic, you know, trying to say, Oh, well, I'm worried about my filmography. Cause I was kind of like worried about the, the filmography and I want the, you know, I want to look perfect, you know, and it's yeah, like, you just yeah. work. Just work. Just, just work. And yeah, like, you know what? My, hopefully someday I can make a couple movies that are awesome and people yeah. only care about those movies. Mm-hmm. They won't care about the smaller ones or the ones that didn't work. Like they're only going to care about your highlights, you know, but to yeah, get right. there, it's just, you're going to need a lot of experience, a lot yeah. of little, little yeah. chipping away. You're not going to be amazing right out the gate. Most yeah. likely not. Yeah, unless yeah. you're just like some phenom, which happens. <laughs> There's exceptions yeah. to every rule, but it's probably better to plan yeah. for the, for the other than you know yeah, to win true. the lottery and then once to win the lottery every, it happens but it, sh- yeah. it shouldn't be the plan yeah. you know? for every christopher nolan there is also a doodlebug exactly have you seen doodlebug <laughs> i haven't oh my god it's so bad it's yeah. christopher nolan's like first short film okay it is so bad it's so bad see that's it's see? so great because i like for like when i was kind of uh nicholas winding reference did drive and it was like i don't know it was like right before i did the veil and so then I went back and watched one of his first movies and it wasn't so hot. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's almost. And the bar's lower yeah. than yeah, people think yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you eventually at, you hit that Kubrick level where you just buy, or, and you buy back all the earliest yeah, copies. Right, like, yeah. no, yeah, that, that was, just, that was always day. like a big thing. I was always like, why can't I find these <laughs> short films that these directors did? I'm like, <laughs> you know, iTunes is now available. Like, why aren't these like readily available? And I was like, the director's. A series that came out with all those, like Spike Jones and all them, had those DVDs. Yeah, and I'm like, why isn't more people doing these? And then I realized, oh, because their movies are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and like they don't, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like the same things. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's like if I ever became a big director, I would probably be like dipping back into the catalog and yeah. like that little short documentary I did for O Triple C. Like, probably just go ahead and bury that. Yeah, know? right. Yeah, you know, instead of like showcasing it. I think we mm-hmm. all have. I mean, I feel like if you don't have some of those projects under your belt, there's something wrong. Yeah, you just yeah. got to get just start doing them, man. Yeah. You know, just just make a fool yeah. of yourself, and that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. Except, well, I I think there's really something to be said. That's kind of a recurring thing that we've kind of discovered on the show of like you have to fail before you're great, and mm-hmm. you have to be okay with failure so that you can celebrate whenever you're. Whenever you're awesome, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The so. the sweet is not a sweet without the bitter. You got to have the the bitter to yeah, appreciate. I like that. The, the wins, you know, that's cool. That's from Vanilla Sky. I like that. Yeah. Well, but we're gonna say it's from you. We're gonna say yeah. <laughs> that's a quote by Brandon. Yeah, put, put that on the bottom. <laughs> well, uh, you want to play a game? We can try. We're, we say game loosely on this. Since Kelly's not here to be our game master for improv, uh, we are cheating. We have a script. We're not going to reveal that script just yet, but uh, Nick and I were discussing how to make this kind of unique. So first of all, we're going to have you choose an impression for me to do. So this is a list that I can kind of pull off. So you can choose either any one of those. And then you texted me a list of the stuff that you can do. Yeah, which is not... 
But what are you going to do? What, like you're going to do. So you, you can, just, you can so choose pick, any of those. Okay. But once I pick one, what are you, you're just doing like something random from, from. So I'll be, I'll be playing the character that you choose inside of something else inside a scene from a, from movie? a movie, but I don't know what the movie, but you is don't yet. know what the movie is. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, yeah, when you sent me that, like, what impressions can you do? It was just like, oh, um, let me think about this and come yeah, up with, yeah, like, yeah, two. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to, like, actually think about the stuff that you do. Because, like, whenever yeah. we do an improv, it just comes off the cuff and you don't, you don't necessarily write it down of, like, oh. And usually let, I've had a few let, at that let's point. Let's go Bill Clinton, then. Bill Clinton? Oh, okay. crap. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to play this role as Bill Clinton. And let me see if I uh, can find his the, the list of impressions that that Nick told me, Hey, you told me that you I could did. Do these. These, these are my solid ones. Like these are the ones that like, I was yeah, like, these you are know the ones what? that you're putting forth that you think you can crush. Yeah. yeah these would be on the resume I can, I can of like okay. impressions. So or right whatever. <laughs> I love it. So he's also a character in the same scene. He's also mm-hmm. a character in the same scene. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go. People from Boston. People ah. from Boston. Hey, okay. This it. actually works. This actually it. works. Weirdly appropriately. So I'll be playing the character of Bill Clinton. Okay. But the uh, the character that I am reading is the character of Jake from um, Raging Bull. So okay. since you worked on a Scorsese movie, we thought it'd be fun to actually read, you know, a scene from another Scorsese movie. So I'm playing Jake, Robert De Niro's character from Raging Bull. And the Boston accent guy over here is going to be playing the role of Joey. I'm going to be a Boston Joe Pesci. Yeah, played by Joe <laughs> Pesci. Uh, now, here's the thing. It's a Scorsese script, so there's the infamous Scorsese F-bombs. So we're going to replace the F-bombs with just the noun of your choice. Let, uh, okay, so any, let me, let me, how, how many F-bombs are in here? There's, there's, there's not as many as I thought there would be for a Scorsese for movie. Flower, feather... Fuddrucker. Yeah, it starts with F is good. Yeah, let's do a flower. I like that. Flower? Okay. okay. All right. So we're going to be reading this scene well, yeah, that's good. from flower. Raging Bull, <laughs> where instead of the F bomb, we're going to be saying flower. Yeah, so like, you don't cuss on the show. Well, right? we yeah. do. But you, but but I you do it. porn versions of scenes. <laughs> it's a weird. So I was like, oh, it's you not know a, what? It's not a line. It's a very, I just say, very wishy washy. <laughs> okay, so. Oh man! See Let's now, see I feel here. really like now that you asked me to name my go-to impressions. Now that it, know, like now it, that I'm it's coming, like, it's I like Bill Clinton. I can't because oh, okay. this is going to be the most New York Boston accent. Yeah. It's I'm gonna I I'm Mike. This character is going to live on the border between Boston and we're, New yeah, York. You know what? This might not be the greatest thing, but you know what? We're not we're not making gold here. We're not catching lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. We're just. We're just having fun with this. We're, okay. not, ca- we're not catching lightning in a bottle. Right. I brought this for nothing. For nothing. Whatever. Okay. Oh. All right. So I say let's we're substituting right, so. flour for the F word. I think everything else we just say. Yep. 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 Okay. Kay. So ask me something. This is a terrible. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You got to get into it, man. Oh, man. oh wow. I got to take a deep what breath after that one. Cops when Salve when uh, let's see what happened to uh, Copa with Salve when Clinton, I was out apart. of town. Oh gee. <laughs> Bill Clinton. Wow, that was great, Bill Clinton. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, when? You know, when Jake gave him a beating? It sounds like Jimmy Stewart. I, yeah, your Bill Clinton is very Jimmy Stewart-ish. Even I, I love that I wrote down that I could do this impression, and like, I can't. You're locked into <laughs> it now. Yeah, I know. Well, here we go. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Start, start over. Start All over. Right. <clears throat> Answer me something. What happened at the Copa when Salvi, when I was with Salvi, when I was out of town? When? 
You know, when you gave him a beating? Nothing. Salvi was out of line. He was drunk or something. I don't know. Anyway, the wind-up was I gave him a beating. Tommy called me down, and we straightened it out. It's all forgotten about. Why didn't you tell me about it? Didn't have nothing to do with you. Didn't it have nothing to do with me? No, I just told you what happened. Who did it have anything to do with? Vicky? Uh, Jack. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, no. I just explained the whole thing to you. It was just between me and Salvi. If it had anything to do with you and Vicky, I would have told you about it. Go socks. <laughs> well, I, I, heard, I heard some things. You heard some things. Will you stop worrying about that clam chowder? Forget about it. Yeah. You know you got a title fight coming up. Did Salvi flower Vicky? What? <laughs> flower. You're supposed to keep an eye on her for me, I'm asking. I did keep an eye on Harvard Yard. <laughs> then why did you give him a beating if he didn't do anything? This is the worst. <laughs> you and him being friends a long time. Yeah, some things changed between us. Now he thinks who the flower he is. He's been passing certain remarks that I don't like. Don't bullshit me, Joey. You ain't telling me the truth. What bullshit? I mean, I'm your brother. You want to believe me? You trust me? When it comes to her, I don't trust nobody. I'm asking you something. Why is this so long? (laughs) (laughs) People have turned this off. Well, you're wrong, Jack. I've I've already lost it. Well, you're wrong, Jack. Uh, I hate the Yankees. Uh, He got out of line. We had a fight, and it's straightened out now. (laughs) You giving me that luck? (laughs) We have I to finish the strong. Word. Yeah, I know. it has to finish. But if but if I find out anything, I'm just I'm Donald Trump. Slow it well. down. Slow it yeah. down. Slow it down. Yeah, get hold on. Slow get get, get back into kill it. Kill somebody. No, get back into Clinton. What's your, what's yeah, your Clinton? Okay, back what's, Clinton. What right. do you say to get into Clinton? From one president to the next. Mm-hmm. You giving me that luck? I gotta accept your word. But if I find out anything, I'm gonna kill somebody. It is a dead on Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Is a, well, the thing is, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Stewart was on his list, so he's like uh, yeah. just combining the so, pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's it's really just telling together. you, like, no. That I one, almost that went one. with Donald, and maybe, maybe that was the, no, maybe that man. was the choice. Uh, so go ahead, kill everybody, kill Salvi, kill Vicky, kill Tommy Como, kill me while you're at it. What do I care? What do I? Yankees, Red Sox, Chowder. What else is Boston? <laughs> you're killing yourself the way you're eating, the way you worry about things. You don't have to worry about. What do you mean, you? What? What do you mean, you? I meant kill everybody, you or me or anybody. You're a big shot. Kill, kill. Go ahead. But you said you. So what? Yeah, Joey, even you don't know what you meant. I don't know what this is anymore. Mm-hmm. You meant Salvi, Tommy, Como, you. That means something. <laughs> Why'd you say them? You could have said anybody. Uh, you worried about this girl. You're going to let this girl ruin your life for you. You want to worry? Worry about your flower stomach that you can't bend over. You got to step in the ring in a month. Did you ever flower my wife? I didn't flower your wife. I don't mean now. I mean before. Before we met. <laughs> what do you mean, Mr. Ed? Did you ever flower my wife? What's the matter with you, Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're very smart, Joey. Very smart. Nobody gives me a straight answer around here. You're giving me these answers, but you're still, you still didn't answer my question. Did you flower, Vicky? I gotta go. I got I got Sox tickets. Uh, Pedro's back, and he's pitching. Big Poppy, go go Pats. Go Tom Brady. Oh, for God's sake! I mean, I feel like I nailed mine. Internet com- gold, per- internet perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So your impressions of Jimmy Stewart, Mr. Ed, and Bill Clinton. It just all started to blend into one horrible really, snowball of painfulness. If you just make that the whole thing a character, like a horse who becomes president who was a former actor, uh, and then just what? ride that. I'm going to roll with that. Yeah, yeah. just roll That's with that. That's what I was doing. Totally yeah, on purpose. That. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brett, thanks for coming on the show. Where can we find you online? Oh my God. Where can we find more info about you? Um, you know, toygunfilms.com. And then Brent Ryan Green is my handle on socials that I'm not on very much, though. Right. <laughs> Sharing that Ryan man, middle name. Man. Love like it. One, like one picture. Yep. It's there. Awesome. And then Nick, where can we find you? Uh, I am at the Institute of Perfected Accents over on, um, you know, 30th Street. So just come on down. We got, uh, you know, Sean Connery. We, I, well, we don't have Sean Connery. I can teach you how to be Sean Connery. I can teach you, you how to be. You have him in a closet. Just I, He's yeah. in, in quote unquote retirement. <laughs> retirement. That's funny. I, I just came up with that to explain it all. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, you know, just like you can get a perfect Boston accent if you come out. Just come on down. We're here to help you. Yeah, you brings its downses. That was five accents in that one. That was awful. <laughs> anyway, this is <laughs> we're ending on a nice, good, solid note. Oh, uh, yes. Well, and if you like what you heard and you would like to be a part of it, you can go to patreon.com slash show. In the meanwhile, visit us at okishowshow.com or on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at okishowshow. And that's pretty much it. Can Brian, I take can they Brian take? Green? Thank you so much for yeah, coming on the show, me. man. I love the show, man. Mm-hmm. And we'll see y'all in the next two weeks. Maybe. All right. Bye. <laughs>